Welcome to Legends from the Fireside. Standing upon the shoulders of giants in this genre, Legends from the Fireside is a hybrid storytelling RPG podcast set within worlds of sword and sorcery. In our tales, the dice tell the fates of those worlds, for good or for ill. No character is sacred. Survival is not guaranteed. As storyteller and game master, I craft the narrative from these dice rules and create quests from this chaos, all without knowing what could happen next. Listener discretion is advised, as we may explore dark corners of this genre. But, come now, for adventure awaits, listen in to the legends from the fireside. Hello, and welcome to the show. This is the first episode of Legends from the Fireside, and I wanted to begin by saying thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. I know there's quite a few other shows in the genre, and the fact that you chose this one to give a listen means the world to me. So, where do we begin? I suppose the place to begin is with a little bit of background information about myself. First and foremost, I've been playing TTRPGs, and more specifically Dungeons & Dragons, for the better part of 15 years now. I've always been the Dungeon Master, whether by choice or obligation, it's kind of unclear at times, but I would never trade away the feeling of being the Dungeon Master for any experience as a player. There's something about creating scenarios and situations, and watching how other people play them out, that's always appealed to me whether it's the look on somebody's face when they trigger a trap, or the genuine emotional move that somebody feels when the storyline just hits perfectly and everything comes together. Feeling responsible for something like that is something that has always moved me as a creator. And so, I decided I would expand my horizons as a podcaster and as a game master by attempting a solo RPG podcast. Something of a hybrid storytelling RPG show. Anybody who's ever heard of Tale of the Manticore knows that this is not exactly a novel concept. Though the genre of hybrid storytelling RPG podcasts is a relatively new one, it seems to be growing exponentially. So, in an effort to be very transparent about this, I'm definitely making this show a lot in the style of Tale of the Manticore, taking creative liberties where I can in order to make the show my own, but with all due respect, following in the footsteps of such a monumental show. I can't stress enough that if you have not already heard the show before, Tale of the Manticore is really some incredible material for anybody who likes a good drama or anybody who likes RPGs. It's always worth a shot to try something new, and you definitely won't go wrong with listening to Tale of the Manticore. So where does that leave us? Well, I suppose we should start with something of a mission statement. I plan on having short episodes, 
something around 30 minutes long for each episode. Though I reserve the right to change that episode length as I see necessary. I plan on running this game using old school rules, specifically old school essentials rules, which is a retro clone in the style of BX. Personally, I find that the BX rule system is one that lends itself most to a project such as this. Obviously, I could do something more popular, like 5th edition or Pathfinder, but I find that if I'm to include dice rolls in my storytelling, the very rules-light approach that old-school games have lends itself more to the storycrafting than does the more modern adaptation of Dungeons & Dragons. In those games, things like powers and abilities might bog down gameplay, and especially bog down storytelling if I plan on weaving both into one cohesive podcast. Keeping in line with the old school mentality, I don't plan on pulling any punches. If this show is to be exciting in any way, it has to be very well known that danger is everywhere, and I'm not going to protect any character or any storyline that I may have conjured up. If any decision is to feel like it carries weight, there need to be very real repercussions for failure. Lastly, I plan on keeping the genre of this show somewhere around sword and sorcery, or heroic fantasy, if you will. I find that old-school gaming lends itself more to this approach than to others, and while I appreciate the sentiments of dark fantasy and a grim dark universe, I do think that it's not really where I find my fantasy home. It's not what comes naturally to me, and though I appreciate how evocative a setting like that can be, I really want to see how a solo RPG podcast can do in this sort of sword and sorcery world. Logistically speaking, I plan on breaking the show up into seasons based on various campaigns that I will be playing through. These campaigns might vary in length, but the idea is to separate different characters and adventures and potentially whole campaign settings based on these seasons. The episodes which make up these seasons will be broken up into separate segments. These segments can vary from role-playing, voice-acted scenes, to perhaps me pulling back the curtain and talking about how I made certain rulings, or perhaps doing deeper dives into characters' backstories. The next topic that I want to discuss is that of darker themes within fantasy and where I stand on those themes. First and foremost, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that, within fantasy literature, dark themes like alcohol use, drug use, murder, deceit, and even things like racism and slavery end up being discussed in one way or another. I don't plan on making any of these concepts or these topics into a major point of discussion, nor a major point of the show but I reserve the right to tastefully engage with some of these topics, and I promise that I will do my best to handle them as well as I can with the due respect that each one of these topics deserves. And finally, I guess I want to talk about a personal philosophy on podcasting. I am not a professional voice actor, nor am I a professional musician, nor am I a professional writer. 
with the assistance of my long-standing friend from college, I'm going to be writing the majority of this show myself. And for this reason, I plan on exploring a show like this like an experiment. This doesn't mean that I'm going to throw anything at the wall and see what sticks, but I reserve to write to learn from my experiences and to hopefully grow over time through criticism and through successes. So, as the show goes on, you may notice tweaks and changes, but hopefully, overall, you will notice the quality will only improve. So I suppose now it's time to begin this campaign. And what better way to begin it than with some character generation. I'm going to be rolling up three characters today. But before we begin rolling these characters up, I want to address the fact first that I don't really have too many house rules for character generation just yet. But for this first instance of making characters, I will be using 3d6 and straight down. No rerolls, no messing around. So let's see that first roll. Alright, 3d6, here we go. Ooh, nice, a 12. That's not terrible considering 3d6. Uh, and that goes right into strength, so I'm pretty sure we get a bonus on that. Next up is Constitution, and we got a 9. Okay, I mean, not bad. I know people don't like to see single-digit scores, but in old school, single digits are really not that bad of a time. Next is Dexterity, and okay, another 9. Not terrible, again. I think this character might be shaping up to be something of a fighter, but... Who knows what we've got in store for our mental stats. Okay, so now we have intelligence. Oh, okay, not great. I got a seven. I think there's a slight penalty to this, but nothing too drastic. This is starting to feel much more like a fighter than before. Next is wisdom. Okay, uh, oh, all right, another seven. Again, not great, so probably another minus one. Okay, and next we have Charisma. Okay, uh, well I got an 8. So, single digits pretty much across the board except for Strength. I think this character is going to be a fighter, just to make sense of it. Let's see, what to name him? How about Morris? Morris, that's not a terrible name. Okay, perfect. Character number 2. Okay, so let's hope that we can get a little variety with this next character. Alright, so first roll is Strength. We got... Okay, an 8. Okay, I mean, not terrible, I suppose. Next we got Constitution. Okay, and 10. Okay, so a healthy enough guy. Just about average. Alright, next is Dexterity. Seven. Alright, not great. I guess we get another character not really fit to be a thief, but not really shaping up to be much of anything else just yet. Let's check those mental stats. Alright, intelligence. Ooh, okay. A nine. Not terrible. Again, pretty average. Okay, wisdom. 
Ooh, all right, another nine. Again, very average. I'm seeing a lot of nines, eights, and sevens here. We had a pretty average group of characters going right now. Okay, and last is charisma. Let's see if we can pull off some kind of bard or paladin or something. Oh, all right, well, an eight. So I guess keeping in theme with very average scores, an eight gives us not, not much of anything stellar. So let's think about what could maybe make this character at least flavorful in a sense. Using the old school basic rules for the fantasy genre, I mean, I could pull out one of the races. Uh, and for the sake of the show, I plan on using race as class. I might change my mind on this later, but I've always really enjoyed that idea. Um, playing to the cliches and whatnot always seems kind of, I don't know, fun. So why don't we play a dwarf? All right. Uh, and then a name. How about... Let's go with Nem. Nem. That's an interesting name. Okay. And who's next? Let's make one last character. Hopefully somebody with a little bit more something going on with stats. Okay, so let's roll for the first one. Strength. And we got... Seven. Okay, well not, not shaping up to be a great time, but Morris the Fighter seems to already have strength on lockdown. So let's see what else we can get. Constitution. A nine. Alright, not bad, no penalty, that's fine. Okay, dexterity. An eight. Okay, still not great, maybe not a thief. Who knows? Let's, let's think about this. Okay, next is intelligence. Alright, I got a ten. It's always nice to see double digits. Wisdom, ooh, 12. Maybe this character will be a cleric. That could be uh, very helpful in a game like Old School. Okay, last is Charisma. Oh, okay, sweet, the highest score I've seen yet. A 14 for Charisma. So I could play this character like a bard, but I think for at least the beginning forays into this campaign, I kinda wanna keep things kind of a little bit more simple. So, how about we just go with our gut and say... Thief. I know this kind of goes against the grain with a dexterity score of an 8, but that charisma of a 14 might make for something of a, a glib or a fast-talking kind of thief, and that, that could be a lot of fun. Okay. Now, as far as hit points across the board, uh, I'm gonna start with maximum hit points rather than rolling, meaning that our thief, who... Oh, I forgot a name. Alright, well, let's think. What would be a fun name for a fast-talking thief? How about... Finn. Yeah, Finn. Finn the Thief. So as far as hit points go, Finn is going to start with a total of four hit points, adjusted for his constitution. Nem, the dwarf, will begin with eight hit points. And Morris will begin with eight hit points. Okay, cool. Well, now that we have this in mind, I'll keep track of all the other things, like their gear, their saving throws, and all that stuff. Uh, basically, when they come up, we can talk about it. So, for right now, I think we're ready to get this show on the road. Let's begin, shall we? A slow, pounding sensation, like that of a heartbeat inside of his mind. Morris began to slowly feel consciousness returning to him in painful, heavy thumps. He began to stir awake, but as he did, he felt a ringing sensation in both of his ears, like something of the worst hangover you'd ever heard of. 
Morris attempted to lift himself up off the ground, but realized his hands were bound. As he tried to stand up, he realized his feet were bound as well. As his eyes slowly opened, a swirling, blurry visage before him revealed torchlight. Faint, but torchlight. Something was in front of this torchlight, however. A series of vertical lines, which to his blurry mind slowly fit the picture of bars, like a cell door. As he sort of shifted his head left and right, trying to shake off whatever kind of hangover had him in this place, he recognized that this was indeed a cell door. As he wriggled around on the floor with the bindings around his hands and his feet, he began to call out to the darkness for help. Hello? Is there anybody there? Somebody? Anybody? Please? For a few moments, there was only silence. Nobody answered his pleas. But suddenly, from the darkness beyond his cell door, he heard somebody call back to him. Yeah, I can hear you. Unfortunately, I don't think there's much I can do to help. Though Morris's mind was a bit of a swirling mass of confusion and pain at this point, he certainly thought he recognized the accent, or at least the sound of the voice. Who are you? And what are we doing here? What's going on? I can't really offer you too much information on where we are or what's really going on, but the last thing I remember was stopping at some roadhouse. And now I'm here. What about you? What do you remember? Morris began to think back, wondering what he did remember. The last thing that came to him was the memory of leaving home, traveling down the road and stopping before a terrible rainstorm. He remembered stopping at a tavern, but he can't remember much of what happened. I, I don't really remember, but are you tied up as well? No, I'm not tied up. Unfortunately, it took me out of my ropes when they realized that I was awake. Nem the dwarf replied with a bit of a chuckle. I hate to say it, but now that you're awake, they're probably gonna... <laughs> Shackle you to the wall just like me. Now that Morris's consciousness had returned to him, he could finally get a better view of the cell he was in. With the torchlight from beyond the bars, he could see faintly, but he could tell that the floor he laid upon was dirt. There was a small bed in the corner made of straw, and a bucket in the corner beside it, for uses he didn't want to think about. As his eyes traced the wall in the back corner, he could see a couple of shackles and chains fixated into the wall. It was very clear to him what these were for. And as he contemplated his fate being down here as some prisoner for some purpose he didn't understand, with captors he did not know, he quickly shot back to Nem the dwarf. So what, are we, are we just gonna sit here? And, and wait for them to come back and, and do whatever it is that they're going to do to us? Surely you have an idea. Wh what could we possibly do to get out of here? 
The two cells were silent for a moment, but the silence was broken as Nem chuckled a little bit to himself, almost feeling bad for this man across the hall from him. I've already tried to pull up my chains. I've already tried to pull myself off this wall. I've tried to fight the men who come in here to feed us, but none of it works. I'm afraid this might be the end of the line for both of us. The idea of dying down here, cold, in the dark, on a floor, in the middle of wherever he was, terrified Morris. As the terror of the situation began to settle on Morris's mind, he began to panic. As he panicked, he pulled at the ropes around his wrists and his ankles, and finally, he found clarity. Hey, wh when did you say that they took your ropes off and tied you to the wall? Nem let out a short whistle before responding. Well, once they noticed that I was awake, they couldn't really leave me on the floor like this. So they shackled me to the wall. Hey, wait a minute. That gives me an idea. Morris immediately chimed in, cutting off Nem before he could finish his thought. I, I can just pretend to be asleep. Maybe when they come in here, I can make a run for it. Where exactly does that leave me? Replied Nem. I mean, no, you're right. I, I couldn't leave you down here. Uh, speaking of which, what, what what is your name? If you don't mind me asking. My name is Nem. Nem Anvilhart. Nem Anvilhart? That doesn't sound like a name I've heard in Delagrad. Well, I mean, not a human name. Wait, does that mean... Nem began to chuckle a little bit to himself before replying. Yep, you got that right. A dwarf in the flesh. Sensing that he might have looked like a fool, Morris immediately followed by saying, I I'm sorry, I didn't mean it like that. It's just, outside of the capital, you, you really don't see many well, dwarves. So... But anyway, okay, so how are we going to do this? You never told me. Are our captors... Uh, organized? Are they strong? What are we dealing with? Well, the one who comes in to feed us is a real cruel bastard. But he wears a leather apron and leather gloves. And I've seen that he's got a big, mean-looking knife on his waist. He's probably about... Six feet tall, a real burly guy. You think you can take him? At this point, Morris went silent. Morris had not been in a fight since he was a boy. Though we will go into the reasons why he left home soon. All we need to know now is Morris is not much of a warrior at this point. Though he is strong, and certainly has the physique to become a warrior. At this point in time, he's not really built for fighting. With feigned confidence, Morris replied from the darkness, Yeah, I think I can take him. At this point, I'm going to have Morris roll a charisma check to see if he succeeds in lying to Nem. I'm going to roll a d20 and try to score below his charisma score, which is eight. Oh boy, 
Good luck. Oh boy. I got a 12. So Nem can tell that Morris is definitely lying, but I'm sure he appreciates his attempt at confidence. Nem, sensing his deceit, calls out, Now come on, boy. You can do this. You just need to get a surprise on him. Go ahead. Pretend to be asleep and I'll call for help. Before Morris could say anything else, Nem began to cry out, Hey! I'm hungry in here! Come on now! Soon after, the sound of a door opening and closing broke the silence. The sound of footsteps on gravel sent shivers down Morris's spine as he closed his eyes and tried to look inconspicuous in his slumber. Let's roll a charisma check. Okay. Hey! Alright. I got a four. Since I scored below his charisma score of eight, he succeeds in his check. This captor is not going to think any different of this facade. The jailer walked over to Nem's cell, and as he leaned in, Nem called out to him and said, I'm looking for something to eat. You got anything for me? Oh, also, I thought I heard the one over there making some racket. I think he's waking up. Just thought I should tell you. After a few moments, Morris heard the sound of footsteps on the gravel yet again, but this time coming closer to his cell specifically. He heard the sound of a key being fitted into the cell door, and it sliding open with a screech. As this big oaf came walking towards him step by step, Morris had to remind himself that everything could be riding on this deception. So as he closed his eyes in a way that looked natural and tried to regulate his breathing, he felt the presence of this big man coming down beside him. For a few silent and tense moments, the captor looked over Morris's body. Breaking the silence, a knife was pulled from its sheath. Morris could feel the knife reaching for his wrist, and as it cut through the ropes, he was hoist over the shoulder of this big man with very little difficulty. And as his captor marched him over to the wall where his shackles awaited him, Morris's eyes flung open, and he saw before him the very puzzled and very surprised look of the captor. Realizing that he might not have another opportunity like this to get a free shot in on his opponent, Morris did the first thing that came to mind and prepared to swing at his face. Before this combat really begins, I think we should roll for a surprise check to see if Morris gets the drop on this guy. Because he succeeded in his charisma check, I'm going to give him a bonus on surprise. We'll say that a 1 through 4 on a d6 counts as a surprise, and he'll be able to get a free swing on this guy. Alright, so let's hope we have some good luck. First combat, let's make it a good one. Alright, and I got a 6. Oh, no. It would seem that his captor had a very good idea that something like this might happen. And as he goes to place him to the wall and sees him finally regain some agency over his own body, he realizes something must be up. So now, I suppose it's time we roll for initiative. So, initiative in old school, for anyone who doesn't know, is a simultaneous roll of d6s. Whoever rolls higher goes first. Now, a personal rule of mine, 
I don't allow simultaneous actions unless it makes sense. So in the case that I rolled the same number twice, I'm just going to re-roll. Combat begins. Round one. Initiative. Morris gets a five on a d6, whereas his enemy gets a one. Excellent. All right, so I think at this point Morris was gonna attack. I got a, oh my God, I can't catch a break. He got a one on a d20 roll. I'm gonna rule this as a critical failure and I'm gonna do whatever seems tastefully appropriate for a critical failure. Let's say that he loses his balance and falls flat on the ground. Okay, so now his captor. The captor swings in with an attack. He stabs in at Morris. And I got a... Oh, jeez, a 19. I give him a slight bonus to be able to attack him because he's prone at this point. I'm gonna say that because Morris is wearing only rags, his armor class is gonna be just a 9, which makes him very easy to hit. I will be using descending armor class, so... After having land a stab on our friend Morris, this captor deals three points of damage. Morris, being level one and a fighter, has a decent amount of hit points with eight, but three points of damage is almost half of his health. If he reaches zero, he's dead. Round two, let's roll initiative. Morris got a two, perfect. His captor got a one. Okay, let's turn this around. So let's say Morris is gonna try to stand up, but defensively attack as he does. Let's see. And I got a, oh, a 10. Morris is attacking with his bare hands and his opponent does have armor on. Let's see if his captor is able to attack him back. He swings in with his dagger and he gets a four. All right, that's not bad. He missed. Round three for initiative. Morris got a two, and his captor got oh, a two as well. Let's just say that since this is kind of a simple combat, and these two might just collide at this point, a simultaneous actions seem fair enough. Morris rolls to attack. At this point, they're both standing facing each other with only a few feet between them. Morris tries to kick him right between the legs. Oh, good, an 18. And the damage roll? He's only a D2, plus his strength mod. He got a two. Okay, good I guess, but not, not that good. A captor, which I'm really just treating as a bandit for all intents and purposes, only has about four HP. So kicking him like this was almost enough to subdue him. Let's see if the captor swings in and hits him with his knife. Okay, no, he didn't, he got an eight. The knife whisks through the air, cutting the air just beside him as they collide. Round four. Let's roll for initiative. Okay, Morris got a three, and his captor got... Oh no, a five. So at this point, correcting himself after getting kicked in between the legs, his captor stabs in at him. Oh, he got a 17. Oh no. This could spell an almost near death for our friend Morris. Oh, okay, one single point of damage. In his pained state, he swings in and nicks Morris on the cheek, cutting him, drawing blood, but not enough to really truly harm him. Morris rolls the attack to try to hit him again. A nine? Nine's not good enough. All right, round five. You know, with only two combatants, these rounds go by quickly. For the initiative, Morris got a two. Oh no. 
the captor got a four. Okay, so the captor begins to try to stab in again, attempting to cut him in the throat. Mars steps back defensively, holding his hands up, and manages to get out of the way. Morris tries to retort with a long, swinging punch, and he misses terribly with an eight. Round six. All right, let's make this count. Morris got a four, and his captor got a three. Oh, goodness, great. Okay, Morris swings in with the attack, trying to go for a punch. He got, oh, a 13. Perfect, just enough to be able to land a hit. All right, if I get a two or above, he's dead. All right, and I got a two. Excellent. So with a hefty swing of his fist, he managed to punch this big captor. The captor goes reeling backwards and trips over his own foot, slamming his head into a bar, ceasing all movement. Breathing heavily, bleeding from a couple of different places, Morris looks over the dead body with a sense of disbelief. At this point, he walks over to the dead man and looks him over, waiting to see if maybe he's pretending to be unconscious as well. He gives him a few moments, but as he sees his eyes wide open and blood draining from the back of his head, there is no chance he was faking at this point. Morris looked him over, felt around on his belt pouch, felt an individual key, a few coins, in an empty sheath. As he looked to his other hand, he could see the captor still had a death grip on his dagger. Pulling back the fingers, Morris was now armed with a knife. Pulling off the leather apron of this captor, he was now equipped with basic leather armor. And as he stood up, brushing himself off, he walked over to the cell of Nem in order to unlock it with the newly found key. But as he did so, he heard the sounds of laughter coming from down the hall. Thank you for listening to an episode of Legends from the Fireside. If you enjoyed what you heard, feel free to leave a five-star rating and a review. Some of these reviews may be read at the end of episodes. You can also reach me at Legends from the Fireside on Twitter, or you can email me at legendsfromthefireside at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening to the show, and be sure to come back soon to listen to more Legends from the Fireside.